You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and solid movie and TV recommendations for whatever ails you. As always, we should note we are not real therapists, but back in high school, Kristen did do a brief stint as the advice columnist for her school paper. I did. You've been at this for a long time, Kristen. (laughs) But, you know, I got to say the advice I gave back in high school, I'm sure it was fantastic. Because who gives better (laughs) advice than a high school student? Probably nobody. 16-year-old. Just sleep with him. The answer is to always just sleep with him. Yes. (laughs) Anywho, Rafer, let's see if we can give some better advice to this week's patients. Do you want to start with the first letter? All right. I will. It is from who else but Emily. By the way, listeners, if you feel like this is getting old, let us know. (laughs) Rafer and I are not calling everybody Emily. We just want to make clear the listeners are calling themselves Emily now at this point. It's like back in the 70s when the Dr. Demento show was on and every week the Rocky Horror Nuts would uh, vote the Time Warp, the number one song of the the Dr. Demento show. That's what a nerd I was. And I would listen to it every week and I'd think, oh my God, it's the goddamn Time Warp. Um, Anyway, all right. So here we go. From Emily, she says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, my husband recently told me that he wants to separate. I've gone through the roller coaster of emotions, shock, sadness, grief, anger, and I'm coming around to acceptance. I think our relationship was struggling for a while, but I didn't see it. My husband has now moved out, and I'm starting to feel like my old self. As I continue to get my groove back and see life in full color, I'm looking for movies and TV recommendations with strong female leads who just live a badass life and don't need no man to feel great. Oh, Emily. Emily, I am applauding <laughs> you. I like this attitude you have right now. I do too. It sounds like you've gone through all the emotions that are the most painful, and now you're ready to just take the world and say, world, here I am. I'm Emily. Watch out. I'm the other Emily. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I listen, I totally agree. Um, I, you know, I have, I have not been through a divorce myself, um, but I know many people who are going through it right now. Many people. So this is a hard time to go through something like that. That's a hard thing to go through at any time, but especially now. I also think it's a good thing that you say that 
you know, you, you, you don't say you were blindsided, you, you think your relationship was struggling. That kind of tells me that, you know, your eyes were open and that maybe you were just trying to cope. And now that it's happened, you kind of understand it. Maybe you agree with it a little bit and you see it for what it is. And I think that puts you in a good place to come out of this and deal with it as best you can. Yeah. And Rafer, I got to say, many, many, many years ago when I was going through a breakup and I had a live-in partner, we owned property together. Oh, yeah. And it was really, really painful. It needed to happen. It had dragged out way too long. And one thing I just will always cherish, Rafer, is I told you it was over and you said, congratulations, life is going to get better now. And (laughs) I just want to say that to you too, Emily. Congratulations, life is going to get better now. And I love that you already feel like it is because clearly you feel like, yes, I don't necessarily need a man here. I I just want to live my badass life. And I'm applauding you for saying that. There is a badass life right now and in the future for you. So congratulations. I I wholeheartedly concur. Uh, And Kristen, what is going to be your prescription for Emily? All right. I am going to prescribe a movie from 1991. The movie is called Fried Green Tomatoes based on... Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe by Fanny Flagg. It stars Kathy Bates, Jessica Tandy. They're two women in the late 80s in Alabama who strike up a friendship. And when they meet, Kathy Bates is in a loveless marriage. And things are not going so well. She's not living her best life. And uh, her friendship with Jessica Tandy really helps bring her out of her funk. Jessica Tandy tells her, Great recollections, stories of strong women from back in the Great Depression. These stories all star Iggy, played by Mary Stuart Masterson, and Ruth, played by Mary Louise Parker. We see them going through their ups and downs. We see them running their shop, the Whistle Stop Cafe, and we see them trying to live the lives they want. Here's a clip. What the hell is going on here? Looks like your wife's leaving you, mister. Oh, uh, sure she is. Hey, don't, don't you touch her. Let go. Christian, do you know I've never seen this film? <gasps> Rafer, really? Nope. Wow. Well, this was such know, a huge hit. This was an enormous it was a hit. Huge hit. Yes. The book was a huge hit. The movie was a huge hit. All of the people starring in this movie were huge stars at the time. I mean, yes. do you remember Kathy Bates could not be stopped? She was unstoppable at the time this movie yep. came out. Uh, the world was in love with Jessica Tandy again during this time. Yep. It, it was an all-star cast at the time. But totally. But I'm sorry you haven't seen it. Have you read the book, Rafer? No, it's funny. Uh, I have a question for you about the book. We can save that till till after you've after you've uh, told me why you like uh, this movie so much and why you're prescribing it for Emily. Okay. Well, I have a feeling I know what you're going to ask about the book versus the movie here. Um, <laughs> I bet you don't. Well, maybe I do. We'll see. Okay. So, full disclosure: in the book, it is explicitly made clear that Iggy and Ruth are way more than friends. In the movie, it's super subtle. Lots of people who watch the movie have no idea that there's anything happening between them. And just I know that anybody who is aware of that may be thinking, 
Hold on, Kristen. Why would you prescribe a movie that makes it sound like you need romantic partners to be happy in life? Didn't Emily just say she doesn't need a romantic partner to feel great? And I get that. I totally get that. I'm not trying to make it sound like you do need a romantic partner in life to be happy. But what I want you to focus on more here is actually Kathy Bates and the evolution that she goes through by being friends with Jessica Tandy, by hearing these empowering stories. And at the end of the day, Jessica Tandy, Kathy Bates, Mary Stuart Masterson, Mary Louise Parker, all of them, at the end of the day, I think they make it pretty clear that not a single lady in this movie needs no man. They do not need a man. They're going to be just fine. But is that what you were going to ask about, Rafer? No. Well, first of all, I think it sounds great. And it's funny that you mentioned this because I just came across the book sitting out on a stoop uh, just the other day. And I saw it and I thought, you know, darn it. I've never I never saw that movie. I never read that book. I know people love it. Totally unrelated tangent, Kristen. Is it okay, do you think, in the pandemic to take books off a stoop? I know people who think that's a terrible thing to do. Don't bring them to your house. You're endangering other people. I have done it. Is that a bad thing to do? Oh, I've brought in books also, and I've left out books. Oh, great. I, I, I mean, I would say we live in Brooklyn, Rafer. The bigger issue yes. is always bed bugs, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did that make you feel better? I don't know if that made you feel better or not. <laughs> Even bigger than the pandemic? Boy, I don't know. But uh, but certainly certainly could be neck and neck. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. No. All right. I, yeah, I just, you know, I, I, what I do is I, I pick them up. And I take them into the basement and I put them in the basement for a couple of weeks. Then I bring them up. Yes. So I think that's the way to go. Yeah. Either that or if you have one of those like giant Rubbermaid containers, throw it in one of those for a couple of weeks so it has no (laughs) access to air. And then anything on that book dies. Just, yeah, that works too. Right. Okay. Well, we've we've gotten off topic here, but I but uh, thank you for answering that question, Kristen. And uh, yeah, I've always wanted to see this movie. And so uh, I will put this on my list. Excellent. And I'm curious, what are you going to prescribe to Emily who wants to live her badass life, no men needed? Well, it's a movie that I'd kind of forgotten about, but I sort of stumbled across it and uh, just recently, and I thought of this uh, when I got this letter from Emily. It's a movie called Coco Before Chanel from 2009. It's this kind of overlooked but really excellent biopic about Gabrielle Chanel, played by Audrey Tattoo. And uh, this is sort of an origin story, I guess, as the title suggests. It's before she became famous. So we don't really see the the whole building of the empire. What we're, what we're really watching is kind of chapter one in the Coco Chanel story. And it really does begin back at the beginning. She's just out of an orphanage. She's working as a seamstress. She is literally singing for her supper at a cabaret. And in fact, she gets the name Coco from a little ditty that she sings in the cabaret. And it looks at first like uh, Coco Chanel could very well be destined to become a prostitute. And instead, she finds kind of a legitimate version of this when she starts sleeping with a guy named Atian Balsan. He's this wealthy businessman. And they've got this kind of, you know, no strings attached kind of transactional relationship. They're both pretty cool with it. Uh, He gives her money to start her business and eventually the relationship ends. But hey, them's the breaks. And then she goes on and does find love with this very charming Englishman named Arthur Capel, played by um, Alessandra Nivolo, who's great in this movie. Although that relationship doesn't quite go the way she hopes either. We can't play a clip here because the movie's pretty much entirely in French. But uh, I did want to say a couple things about why I'm recommending this. 
maybe, Kristen, you might have known this. Uh, uh, I did not know anything about fashion, still pretty much don't, uh, and didn't really know much about Coco Chanel before I saw this movie and learned a lot about her. She was a real iconoclast in her day for basically doing one thing. She made women's dresses simple which I think doesn't yeah. seem that shocking today. Um, but yeah, the- you don't need a corset. You don't need to be bound in. Right. You don't need, I mean, she she took away all of that. I don't know what you would call it, that oppressive quality of what clothing was at the time. She got rid of it entirely. Right. It was re- restrictive, uh, frilly, decorative. And, uh, you know, it was, this was the early 1900s when that sort of that Victorian thing was kind of still the ideal in a way. And suddenly she came along and made women's clothing uh, almost as simple as men's clothing, maybe even more simple in a way. And what's great about this movie, and the, and the movie really drives it home, is that she was a truly independent woman. She never married. And throughout her life, she, you know, she charted kind of the same course in her personal life as she did in her professional life. She just kind of did what she wanted, followed her own muse, never settled, never did anything she wasn't willing to do, never caved into convention, found people that she loved and, uh, you know, didn't feel like she had to fit any kind of uh, uh, model of a, of, a, of a wife or a woman. And so, you know, you said that, uh, uh, Emily, you wanted kind of a badass woman, and this is not an action film, but I still think she's a great, uh, strong heroine who, you know, really, really blazed her own trail at a, at a pretty restrictive time. I really like the movie. Uh, it's not super well known, even though it was really well reviewed at the time. But uh, that's my prescription for you. I love that one, Rafer. I love it because, you know, it's not like she's living the rest of her life celibate either. No. But she doesn't need a man. She's just having fun. No. She's doing what she wants to, whatever it is, and what she wants versus what she needs. Maybe they're not the same thing all the time. Totally. I totally agree. There's a few men in there, but, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, all right. So to, to recap, I think we've got a couple of good ones. We've got from Kristen, fried green tomatoes, and from me, Coco before Chanel. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but before we do, thank you, as always, to everyone who continues to rate us five stars in Apple Podcasts and leave us great reviews. For example, Tom Edison's dog recently gave us five stars and wrote, movie therapy is such a joy to experience. I say experience instead of listen to because it takes you on an emotional journey every time. I often cry and laugh in the course of an episode. Rafer and Kristen are generous and empathetic listeners and givers of advice and encouragement combined with staggeringly delightful expertise about a wide variety of things to watch. Thank you for doing this work. I don't know how I will find time to watch all of the great recommendations, though. Uh, yeah, well, it's a, it's a, it's a lot, isn't it? Um, but I think that's a good thing. Well, thank you very much. Tom Edison's dog. Um, love the name. Uh, are you a Kurt Vonnegut fan? Wasn't there, didn't Kurt Vonnegut write a story about Tom Edison's dog, about the dog that had like more intelligence than Tom Edison? Maybe, but isn't Tom Edison's dog also the RCA logo? Oh, the, Victro- the, the Victrola uh, dog? Oh, that could be too. Maybe it is. Hmm. Maybe. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> I think you're right about that. All right. Well, anyway, we don't expect you to watch everything we suggest. You can watch. You can not watch. You can just listen to our questionable advice. It's all good, Tom Edison's dog. <laughs> all right. Well, stay with us when we're back. We have someone who wishes they had a tight-knit group of friends.
Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. There is a corner of Los Angeles where dreams are brought to life. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. Where stars are born. Made it by! Of the world! Where legends are made. Oh, it's alive! It's alive! It's alive! For over a hundred years, the world has been captivated by Hollywood. But just beneath the stardust lie a million more fascinating stories. Tales of heroism. Villainy, betrayal, passion, tragedy, and triumph that when sewn together form an incredible history. The Secret History of Hollywood, available now wherever you get podcasts. We're back with our second letter of the week. This one is from Party of One. Kristen, you want to read this one? Yes. Party of One says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I moved 1,000 miles from home for college many years ago and am now a handful of years past graduation. At this point, most of my friends are spread out all over the place or we've understandably grown apart. What few friends I have in the area are hard to see due to the pandemic or they're in the process of moving away due to the economic crash. I really wish I had a group of tight-knit friends or at least a movie or TV show I can vicariously live through to give me that sense of chosen family. Can you help? Bonus points for a mixed-gender diverse group. Well, party of one, um, the, the, the line in your letter that really gets me is the handful of years past graduation. Because mm, let me just yeah. tell you, the handful of years past graduation for me was a rough, rough period. It's it's hard. It's really hard. Not everyone, uh, you know, has that kind of uh, lull after graduation. I know a lot of people just sort of bursting with excitement to get out there and get in the world. I was not <laughs> like that. I found graduation really difficult. I found it. I found it to be like a like a second birth, and I cried my way through the entire thing. Um, oh. It was hard, and I really leaned on my friends. And, you know, to this day, my college friends are my closest friends, really. I mean, I do have a, a handful of, you know, very good, very close friends that I've made here in New York. But, you know, those college friends of mine, you know, uh, there's no replacing those guys. Um, so I feel you. And I know I know what it feels like to leave them. Because like you, all my friends are spread out there. Many of them are about in California or elsewhere, um, very far away. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good 1000 miles or more from all of my friends, too. So yes, it's very hard, very difficult. 
Yeah. And I got to say, I have a very different story from you, Rafer, or you party of one, oh. in that my nearest and dearest friends are people I've met since college. Oh, that's great. You know, I have a couple of friends from high school still. I have a couple of friends from college still. One of my dearest friends, uh, Dave, Dave Rupert, we sat next to each other in math class when we were 10, and he's still one of my dearest friends. Cool. But for the most part, the people I love and the people I would actually say I have a squad with are the ones I met years after graduation. And I know that it's a popular thing in our culture to really celebrate and valorize those college friends. You'll have them for the rest of your life and you'll have your squad and, you know, but I don't actually think that's true of a lot of people. I think loads of people meet their friends, meet their squad, meet their most entrusted chosen family later on in life or throughout life. And I've been fortunate enough where that's happened with me. I, I think it will happen for you, party of one. I totally agree. You know, at, at at the age that you are, I think that's a thing that's definitely going to happen to you. You know, it definitely does get a little harder as you get older, I think. But I've met a couple of uh, of good guys in, uh, you know, in the dad circuit who have become, you know, close friends of mine who I really enjoy hanging out with, you know, but... Uh, yeah, it just it gets a little harder, but I think I think when you're young, if you're just a few years out of out of college, a few years after graduation, I still think you got a lot of time ahead of you to uh, make some new folks and 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 get a new crew. Yeah. So, Rafer, what are you going to prescribe to Party of One? Well, Kristen, initially I was going to recommend Superstore, uh, this show that I've really come to enjoy, but I think I came to enjoy it after you had already recommended it to somebody on this <laughs> podcast, and I'd forgotten about that. Um, yeah, so, a couple months back I did, yeah, yeah. because I think I think somebody was missing their coworkers, and that's exactly it's right. such a fun show. That's, it's a really fun it's show. It's exactly right, and it is a great show, and very diverse, which is one of the things I like about it, um, and very funny and very smart. But, so I'm going to have to go back to an older film, one of my favorite films, you know, warning up front, it's from 1979, so the diversity factor here, low to zero, um, and, <laughs> and also mostly male. So be prepared for that. You know, party of one, we don't know if you are male or female. I don't know. But it's a wonderful... Or non-binary. We don't know. That's, we don't that's know. exactly right. That's exactly right. We don't know. But this is one of my favorite films. Um, it's a real charmer uh, from back in the day, kind of before indie films were a thing. Um, and these little films could s sort of find their feet at the box office and, and draw an audience like this one did. Anyway, it's called Breaking Away. And it's about these four friends that live in <gasps> Bloomington, Indiana, a college a town. Movie. Do you know this? Do you know this film, Kristen? You're the one who introduced me to it, Rafer. I did? I had never seen it until, I think it was 10 years ago you told me to watch it. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for recommending this. Anyway, oh, I'm, so I'm sorry, glad. I'm interrupting. Continue, as you were. <laughs> that's that's perfectly all right. Uh, yeah, it's a great little film. Um, yeah, so Breaking Away, it's about these four kids uh, in Bloomington, Indiana, which is a college town, uh, but they are not college kids. They're not really college material. They're the townies. They're the townies, exactly. And they're called cutters because of the local limestone industry. And that's kind of what they seem to be destined for, is to become cutters uh, like their parents. So uh, one of them, uh, a guy named Dave, um, sort of an oddball. He fancies himself a cyclist. Not only that, he sort of fancies himself an Italian cyclist. And he goes around <laughs> pretending to be Italian, uh, which doesn't really endear him to anyone. But he has this fantasy, and his friends tolerate it. And he wants to enter something called the Little 500 Race. It's a real bicycle race, actually, that happens in Bloomington every year. Started in 1950-something, 1951, still going today, I think. Dave wants to enter, and his friends aren't really cyclists, 
but they decide to support him, form a team called the Cutters, of course, and they enter the race to compete against the snobs who usually win. And here's a clip. You know, I used to think I was a really great quarterback in high school. Still think so, too. Can't even bring myself to light a cigarette because I keep thinking I got to stay in shape. You know what really gets me, though? I mean, here I am, I got to live in this stinking town, and I got to read in the newspapers about some hotshot kid, new star of the college team. Every year is going to be a new one. Every year is never going to be me. I'm just going to be Mike. 20-year-old Mike. 30-year-old Mike. Oh, mean old man, Mike. Now, Rafer, I got to say, this movie just, I, I already said it before, it's a great movie. It surprised me because I didn't realize how funny it would be. Yes. And also how loving, because I feel like this movie was made before the era of bromances. And these are just dudes who love each other. They really yes. love and support each other. This is a squad. If you want squad goals, this is a good movie. Yeah. Total, yeah, total squad goal. And it really just it, it really just kind of came out of nowhere. You know, uh, I, it was nominated for Best Picture. It was just this little scrappy film that, you know, no real stars. It does have a great little cast. Um, Dennis Quaid uh, mm -hmm. plays one of the guys. Daniel Stern is one of the guys. Jackie Earl Haley is one of the guys. Dennis Christopher is the, is the main guy, Dave. Um, but it does have this great little this great little ensemble for some ensemble cast. But yeah, it got all kinds of nominations, got nominated for Best Picture. I think it won for Best Screenplay. Uh, so it was a real success story and a real box office success. You know, people mention this here and there as one of the great inspirational films, and I totally agree. And it really does have that, you know, sense of a tight-knit group of friends who kind of come through for each other, accept each other for who they are, and support each other and rally together. And um, it's just it's just a great feel-good movie all around, I'd say. It's a lovely, lovely film. Oh, great recommendation, Rafer. Well, thank you. I love it. I love it. And I went in a totally different direction than you. <laughs> okay. Oh, let's hear it. I chose 1992's breakout musical hit, Sister Act, starring Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, I'm sure everybody knows about Sister Act. If you don't, Whoopi Goldberg plays Dolores Wilson. She's a lounge singer who is placed in a convent by the Witness Protection Program. Right. Initially, she is not too happy about having to hang out with a bunch of nuns. I mean, come on. What lounge singer wants to hang out in a nunnery? No. But then she joins the nunnery's gospel choir and finds that a love of music binds them together and gives her a new squad. Here's a clip. Follow him wherever he may go. 
behind that witness protection program. They're always doing crazy stuff. They are. They're always doing that. They're always putting yeah. lounge singers in convents. <laughs> <laughs> but let me explain why I am recommending this raver. Because as I was already saying before, but I just want to really hit the point home now, sometimes the best, tightest friends we have are not the ones we made in high school or college or fresh out of college. They're the ones we make when we get out of our comfort zone. They're the ones who aren't necessarily in our same age group or come from the same background as us. They're the people who give us a new perspective on ourselves and the world. And you know, you can make these friends anytime in your life. Maybe you meet them in a socially distanced book club, like the one that I'm in, or maybe like my friend Laura, you meet them at the same dog park. Maybe you meet them through work or through the witness protection program, through your church. Who knows where you meet them, but you have the potential to meet friends in so many places, party of one. Even during COVID, you have the chance to do this. And in life, eventually, I, I know that you're still pretty young and very recently out of college, but in life, as life goes on, you're going to start having friends much like Dolores Wilson, Whippy Goldberg's character. You're going to have friends who are much <laughs> older and much younger than you as well. And that's one thing that I really appreciate about this movie. And if we're all lucky in life, we'll have friends that diverse as well. So I think you're going to do it. You'll totally do a party of one. Kristen, you should be on the list of most inspirational movies. That's what oh. I think. <laughs> Stop that's it. great. I think it's a great. I think it's a great message, and I think that's a great pick. I do got to ask you though, Rafer. Do you even like Sister Act? I feel like it's such a Kristen movie and not a Rafer movie. <laughs> I mean, it's been so long since I've seen it, but I, you know, I really do like Whoopi Goldberg, and I think she's really, you know, I'm not saying anything original here by saying she's really likable and charismatic, and you know, she's always great to see on screen. I, I remember thinking that the movie had some laughs and having, you know, getting kind of a kick out of it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's not one of my go-tos, but <laughs> I, I remember thinking it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. And and really, there are moments of genuine friendship. Yes. There are some laughs, there are some touching moments, and some of the music, you'll just cheer. I, I, I'm willing to bet you'll be like, ugh, I can't help it. My heart is full of love. Can't help it. <laughs> so once again, those recommendations are from Rafer breaking away because he doesn't want to repeat Superstore. Um, and from me, Sister Act. All right. We're going to take another quick break. But before we do, do you need some movie therapy? Here we are. Visit our website, RaferandKristen.com, and fill out the contact form. You don't have to use your real name. You can use any name, any name, any literally name any you name. Want to. If you want to continue the Emily trend, go for it. You could choose a Melody or a, or a Millicent or something similar to yeah. Emily, but or not Earl. Emily. We, we could use or some Earl. Earls around here, right? Good. That's a good one. <laughs> and if you haven't already, join the conversation on our Facebook community. That's facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and Kristen. And the people there are so kind, so supportive. They're always helping each other out. They're always suggesting TV shows and movies to each other. Join that group. You will have a blast there. Even though Facebook can be a cesspool, that community can be pretty great, actually. It ain't Twitter. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I will tell you that. All right. When we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next letter of the week. Welcome to the future in this year's wildest super fun show for adults. Hey, gang, it's Josh Olson. 
And Joe Dante. And we want to tell you about our podcast. It's about movies. Josh, there are a thousand podcasts about movies. Sure, but ours is different, Joe. That's true, actually. Our guests are writers, directors, musicians, comedians, actors. Hell, we even have other podcasters on. We play no favorites, and they don't talk so much about their own work but about the movies that have influenced them and made them who they are. We call it the movies that made me. We've talked with people like Guillermo del Toro, Little Stevie Van Zandt, Martin Short, Ethan Hawke, William Freakin, Barbara Crampton, Jonathan Ross, Dennis Lehane, Mark Duplass, Adam McKay, Lorraine Newman, Jason Reitman, Alex Anders, Elijah Wood, Stephen Canales, Eli Roth, Joe Bob Briggs, Roger Corman, Bobcat Goldthwait, Leon Douglas, Dana Gould, Martin Campbell, Shane Black, Albert Hughes, Emily Deschanel, Joe Biafra, Ari Fessenden, Nicole Hawson, Shotty King, Lee Daniels, Rosalind Chow, Clancy Brown, Yardley Smith, Ike Barrow, Steve Arkett, Thomas Miller, Jennifer and Uwe Boll. It may not be highbrow, but it's lots of fun. Subscribe for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. In color to thrill you as never before. Yeah, Film Vault. We are one of the original film podcasts. That can't be true. That there was like two other film podcasts when we began, Brian. How long have we been doing this show? You and I first sat down and did a version of the show over 20 years ago. My God. There is shtick, but it's very little shtick. We finish like. each other's sandwiches. Close enough. Was that a joke on a movie? Yeah, that's from uh, Frozen. Oh, it is. Pretty bad. Ugh. Oh, look at you. I don't want to be like quoting Frozen on this promo. Okay, peek behind the curtain. Anderson's nope. like the Frozen guy. Like he'll constantly reference animated films, family films, and I'm more the edgy indie guy. We do have the tropey thing going on where Brian does like the big Hollywood sexy summer movies. I'm always looking for like the hidden gems. Mm. Two episodes each week. One, we review movies, and the first episode, and the second one, top five time, top five, different top five every week. Movies that made you cry, worst movie accents, most disturbing movies. All right, the film ball, check it out. Wherever you find a fine podcasts. That's right. The film vaults going on 20 plus years. We are back and it's time for this week's What Should I Watch Next Letter. Rafer, take it away. All right. This one comes from Julie. Julie says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I need your help on what to watch next. Our best COVID-19 social distancing strategy has been to go on virtual trips every weekend. Our first inspiration was traveling to New York City to see Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. We got bagels for breakfast and dressed up and pretended we were going to a real Broadway show in our basement. Since then, we've traveled to Athens and watched Clash of the Titans. We went to Paris and watched The Red Balloon. We went to Rome and watched Roman Holiday. Finally, we went to Sydney, Australia and watched Crocodile Dundee. We loved them all. We like all different kinds of movies. The next countries on our list are Mexico, China, Russia, Brazil, and South Africa. Could you please recommend a movie or TV show that takes place in any of these countries? Please note our kids are 12, 8, and 6, so movies rated PG or PG-13 would be ideal. Wow, this sounds like so much fun. Julie, you are a fun parent. This is man, this is taking world's best mom right man, there. This is taking it to the next level, like dressing up, getting food from those places. This is really good, Julie. This <laughs> really, is really, really good. It is. It's amazing. Will you adopt me? I'll be one of your kids. <laughs> totally. This sounds good. The bagels for breakfast. I love it. It's awesome. Um, I also like the fact that um, Julie, that you uh, watched the Clash of the Titans for Athens. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch the Harry Hamlin version or did you watch the Liam Neeson version? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Kristen, can we please play a clip of Liam Neeson saying, release the Kraken? Okay, right here. Here it comes. Let loose the Kraken! God, that puts me in a good mood. I'm so glad we did that. All right. Well, so Kristen, we've got a, we've got some, some countries to choose from. What were they? They were Mexico, China, Russia, Brazil... 
and South Africa. Were you able to find a movie for one of those uh, countries to recommend? Well, I feel kind of like I cheated, Rafer, because I chose a 2001 movie from Hong Kong, and Hong Kong is not quite China. I mean, China says, you are ours, we own you, but I don't think... I don't think people in Hong Kong agree with that. So it's a little bit complicated. um, And I acknowledge that. But I chose a movie from Hong Kong that I just I love so much. And it is called Shaolin Soccer. Of course. And I will say in advance, there's a little bit of violence. There's a little bit of crudeness. But it's so cartoonish that I actually think you could be a young kid and still totally enjoy this. Um, and I was looking on Common Sense Media where they rate, you know, what age kid can watch this movie? And they agree that like eight-year-olds can totally watch this. So that's why I am recommending it. Now, um, for those who don't know Shaolin Soccer, it centers on a former Shaolin monk played by Stephen Chow, who also wrote it and directed it. And he just wants to promote the spiritual and practical benefits of Shaolin Kung Fu to the masses, but no one cares, no one listens to him, no one wants to listen to his proselytizing. But then one day he meets Golden Foot Fung, a retired Hong Kong soccer star. He realizes that soccer might be the best way to promote Shaolin Kung Fu if he finds a way to mix the two. But to do that, he needs to put together a team. So he assembles a merry ragtag team of misfits, none of whom are particularly athletic, but all of whom have good hearts. And together, they tap into their hidden magical Shaolin powers to take on the game of soccer and hopefully win a million dollars and hopefully spread the word about Shaolin to the world. Here's a clip from the dubbed English version. All right, let's get started. Yours. All right. All right. Now you. Let's go. Watch it. This way. Turn. Turn. Concentrate. Don't lose it. Go. Ah. You can do better than that. Haven't you ever seen a ball before? Ah. You play like an old woman. A very old woman. Cold. Why can't I practice with them? Uh, your leg is strong, but you have no control. That's why. What if you kick a ball and hits an airplane and it comes crashing down? Did you think of that? Well, no. Well, think. Now, when you can kick an egg without breaking it, then you can join us. Okay. See? It's not so easy. The dubbed version. That's a good get, Kristen. (laughs) Well, it's available dubbed. It's available subtitled. If you watch it subtitled, there's honestly not that much dialogue. I mean, it's not, you know, if you have kids who aren't that fast at reading, don't worry, there's not that much dialogue. But, you know, the dubbed version has its own joys just because, you know. Of course. The dumbing is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> uh, oh, that's a great one. It's funny. Stephen Chow, um, he's really he's so talented and really fun. Um, yeah. I, I really loved uh, Kung Fu Hustle as well. Yes. Um, Kung Fu Hustle was on my short list, but then I remembered how much more violent it was than Shaolin It's way soccer. more violent. Yeah. It's yeah. It's way more violent. And I, I, you know, I always forget that I, because, you know, I've got kids around the same age. My kids are, are 10 and 12. And every now and then I will show them something like I showed them the trailer for uh, Kung Fu Hustle and they were just baffled and appalled. They just thought it looked, it looked too violent. They didn't get it. They didn't think it was funny. They were freaked out by the dancing gangsters. They oh, I love those it. dancing gangsters. They're Me so too. sexy. Love them. Me too. But you know, I'd forgotten about Shaolin Soccer and maybe that's a, maybe that's a good place to, to start uh, start the kids out with, uh, with Stephen Chow. It's a good recommendation. Yeah, it's 
really good fun. I think you'll laugh a lot. To me, it just feels like it could be a family cartoon that they made live action. Totally. Totally. Oh, that's a great one. That's a great one. What about you, Rafer? I'm curious, what country did you choose and what movie? Well, I did choose South Africa uh, because I do have a, a, a one of my favorite movies uh, is from South Africa. It's a it's an old movie from 1980 that you may have heard of called The Gods Must Be Crazy. Do you know this movie, Kristen? Of course. I watched it on VHS in the McLaughlin's Den when I was a kid. Yeah, I saw <laughs> I saw Gods Must Be Crazy. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a it's a, a great movie. Also, you know, kind of like the other movie I recommended, you know, kind of this little indie film that came out of nowhere and became a real surprise success. Um, huge hit. Huge there hit. There were like sequels to it and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there, were, there was definitely a two, and I think there might have been a three. It comes from a guy named Jamie. I think his last name is Eyes, U-Y-S, which I think is pronounced Eyes. Anyway, he wrote it, produced it, directed it. It takes place mostly in the Kalahari Desert, uh, and it's the story of a Bushman named, I think it's pronounced He. I'm going to it's a little difficult to tell how the Bushman language is pronounced, so that's my best guess. It's X-I, and he lives in the desert with his tribe. They have almost no knowledge of the outside world, and one day the gods, in the form of an airplane, drop a Coca-Cola bottle from the sky, a glass one, not the um, crappy plastic ones that we have now, a real glass Coca-Cola bottle, and the tribe's entire world changes. Uh, at first, they think the bottle is great. It's very useful for stretching snake skins and beating tuber plants to bits and making music. But then the tribesmen begin fighting over this new object. So he, in his wisdom, decides he's going to take the Coke bottle, walk to the end of the earth, and give this gift back to the gods. Here's a clip. Suddenly, everybody needed it most of the time. A thing they had never needed before became a necessity. And unfamiliar emotions began to stir. A feeling of wanting to own, of not wanting to share. And other new things came. Anger, jealousy, hate, and violence. He was angry with the gods. He shouted, take back your thing, we don't want it. Look at the trouble it brought. But the gods did not take it back. He shouted, you must be crazy to send us this thing. Take it back. Then he shouted, look out, look out. But he spoke too late, and the thing felled his daughter, Pan. So, Rafer, what is this family led by Julie going to eat while they watch this movie? Should they just drink Coca-Cola or what, what should be on the menu for this? <laughs> you know, that's a great question. I, I don't know. If you you can get yourself a giant tuber of some sort. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and, right? You Get yourself a giant tuber, take a, a, a sharp blade of some sort, scrape the tuber, and then like the Bushmen do, you can squeeze it in your fist, point your thumb at your mouth, and then the juice from the tuber will leak out, and that's how you'll get your water for the day. That's one of the reasons that I recommend this movie, because it really is, in some ways, like a documentary. It uses real Bushmen as actors. Um, the, the lead actor, again, can't pronounce it. His name is spelled N exclamation point X-A-U. It's the only way they can spell this kind of interesting, uh, kind of clicky uh, uh, language that they have. So it's real Bushmen, uh, real animals, all these amazing scenes with elephants and baboons and lions that don't feel like fiction at all. 
and you can tell that the the city scenes are are really you know it's like it's kind of like nothing it feels like traveling you know it feels like going somewhere getting on a plane getting on a train getting into a jeep going out into the bush it's just really fun and it's also a really goofy, silly, slapstick comedy with like a lot of sped up motion, like the old silent films. There's li- people literally slip on banana peels. Mm-hmm. Um, got a little romance. Um, and it's also got this really magical, I find very moving finale because you know, the whole movie, you're, you're, you're thinking, when will this guy find out that the earth doesn't have an end? Mm. What, what will that do to him when he finds out that there's no end to the earth? Or is there, is the movie going to figure out something else? Um, and it's a really beautiful moment. I just, I just think it's a really, it's a great kind of travelogue slash comedy slash rumination maybe um and i think it's very family friendly and i think even though your younger kids most of all uh might really like it i just think it's a really really uh special great little film mm. and a blast from the past i have not heard about this totally movie in so long even though it was all the rage back then that was a long time ago Kristen. let me tell you <laughs> so julie once again those recommendations are from rafer the gods must be crazy and for me shaolin soccer Well, and that brings us to yet another end of another episode of Movie Therapy. I cannot believe it is over with Rafer. Every time we tape a new episode, I just think it it just flies by so fast. Maybe we need to make a six-hour episode sometime. You know, one of those, like, Russian arc-length ones. Russian arc isn't actually six hours. It just feels like it because it's a terrible movie. Anyhow. It'll be our Berlin Alexander plots yes. uh, yeah. of, of, of movie therapy. Yeah. <laughs> just just what the audience wanted. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, please remember we love hearing from you. You can reach out to us using the contact form at raferandkristen.com. You do not have to use your real name. You can also email us at raferandkristen at gmail.com or tweet us at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. And once again, please rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Tell your friends about our show. It really does help a lot. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.